0: What's up, everybody? I am your host, Arman Lee, and thank you so much for once again listening to The Quarterly Report. On this week's show, I'm going to be joined by NBA TV's own and my guy, Chris Miles. He's making his second appearance on the show. We're going to break down all things NBA, including just how good is Giannis Antetokounmpo and what's going on in Philadelphia with Markel Fultz. All that plus heavyweight boxing is trying to make its way back into the mainstream with another huge fight this weekend with American champion Deontay Wilder, I'm going to tell you why I'm actually not rooting for the Stars and Stripes in 2018 with a potential super fight in the heavyweight division. All that and so much more. But first, the number one topic this week. First quarter. I think it's a safe assumption to make that if you're listening to my podcast, you're not just like a casual sports fan. You're fairly diehard with it. And, you know, I appreciate it because I'm not judging anyone because I only love one sports team, as you guys know, and they make me fairly insane from time to time. So, again, this is a no-judgment-free zone. However, if you are a diehard sports fan, there has come a time in your life where you have referred to the what I like to call the sports gods, right? And if you know anything about the sports gods, you know, that they are some evil sons of bitches. I'm serious. And, and this week, I feel like they, they showed out. <laughs> they showed out in a big way. And I'm going to give you two specific examples that even if you don't like these teams, even if you don't like these sports, you'll understand the pain of these fans because we all, I mean, like, that's, that's the common thread of sports, right? We all, whether your team has won before or not, we all have lost. We all know the feeling of failure, of pain, that loss where, you know what I'm saying, like your stomach, you got to, you just don't even feel like getting out the bed. And I'm going to start my week, start the show discussing the sports guys who seemingly vacation in Cleveland, okay? Last week, I talked a little bit about, you know, man, the Browns somehow managed to mess up their quarterback situation year after year. But, I mean, at this point, I feel like the sports guys, they just high-stepping now, man. They, they showboating, you know what I'm saying? They doing the Ric Flair strut for no reason. If you're in Cleveland, slim for real, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. Just be thankful that Kyrie hit that big shot. Y'all not winning any more championships. I mean, all of y'all. LeBron ain't winning this year. It's over. Y'all gonna have one celebrate that joint man each year make that an anniversary make that joint a holiday it's over for y'all you know in case you're not wondering no i'm not talking about the cavaliers i'm talking about the browns i don't know what the hell is going on with cleveland i mean this past week you understand and and you can't even just kind of cherry pick this week just however long you want to go however long you want to go but since let's just for the sake of time, right because this is only like an hour show, let's just look at since they've gotten this new you know tenure right this new era in Cleveland Browns football, okay now a few years ago they went with the whole analytics to you know the super advanced statistics in terms of just redoing their entire operation. And you know I salute them with that. you know it's it's hard to be the first to do something different. you know when everybody's going left, it's going to be hard to be the first dude Is like, nah, man, I think we should go right here. And that path is going to be tough, you know, because you're the first one through. So I saluted Cleveland and be like, look, for, to have the, enough self-awareness to look at themselves to be like, yo, the way we're doing it is not working. And I understand, right, before we get to, you know, criticizing, I get that if you're going to just scrap everything and just start from scratch, you're going to take some lumps, and it's going to be hard, right? And you got to have vision. You know what I'm saying? You can't just decide to just overhaul everything and then decide to be like, you know what, that was a mistake in two years. You know what I'm saying? Because you're just going to be, make things worse. It's going to be a longer process to get back to even ground if there's even such a thing for Cleveland sports, especially the Browns. So I'm not saying that they should abandon their their whole new philosophy on – you know, analytics and scouting and development and the whole nine. However, in the last two years, their brand new scouting, their brand new player development, their brand new philosophy on drafting and signing players. I don't know. (laughs) Y'all may have to hit that reset button again because y'all passed on not just Carson Wentz, not just Dak Prescott, but now you're passed on Deshaun Watson. I'm just like, yo, the sports guys are laughing at y'all. Everybody in the NFL. Now look, I'm not the y'all know me. I've talked about this before. I don't think that the quarterback position is like this, this, you know, holy grail that so many NFL experts make it out to be, right? We have seen in the past that you do not need a great, you know, quarterback to win in the NFL. But you need a serviceable one. You need somebody who can at least do something, right? And you just had three right in front of you, and and you, you chose not to take either of them, any of them. Now, we could debate on how good Dak Prescott is or how good Wentz, Dak, or uh, Watson would be in Cleveland. And I think there are some legitimate points there. However, you could could at least have them, right? Have draft the guy that you think is the, the centerpiece, right? And then put them on the back burner, right? Build the necessary pieces around that player so then that person can thrive. But however, you know, I don't even, I'm not even certain that that's, They're thinking because they drafted Kaiser. It wasn't like Kaiser was like a fifth round pick and they, they put him out there. Then they benched him and they put it out. I don't know if they know what they're doing. So it's not about, you know, having a young quarterback and, you know, holding him until he's ready. They just did that with uh, Kaiser. And now it comes out, you know, that at the deadline. So, they passed on Garoppolo. Everybody was talking about how Jimmy Garoppolo was going to cost the first round and another pick or two twos and all these other outrageous, you know, demands. And quiet is kept Monday afternoon, Monday evening. The Patriots traded Jimmy Garoppolo for a second round pick to San Francisco. You understand? So all the the crazy and wild demands that the Patriots wanted for Jimmy Garoppolo, either they cooled off on it or those You know, rumors were just lies. And Cleveland, they get caught, you know, with their thumb in their mouths. And then the very next day, they offer up, I believe it was a second and a third for A.J. McCarron? (laughs) And only by the graces of the sports guy. And I don't know if this was by design. There are some reports that suggest that the Browns front office, they were celebrating, but they failed to fax in the papers. So by the time the deadline happened, the trade was voided because Cleveland didn't fax over their papers. Now, again, some reports suggest that they didn't fax things over because they were celebrating, which would be the most brown things ever. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Maybe I'm just too kind. I don't know, but I'm in a good spirit. But I feel like someone in that organization was like, Slim, we are not giving up uh, two seconds or a second and a third for AJ McCarron its not going to happen. You know, I mean, because if you're willing to do that, you didn't have to look back at the at the last two drafts and this whole thought press. Like, cause if you're if you're going to sell your fans and tell everyone you're not going to draft these young guys because we're trying to build. There's nothing here to properly evaluate a young quarterback. I think that's BS, but I'll I will allow that that to be your train of thought. But not if you're going to then offer up multiple picks, high picks for AJ McCarron? Oh my god, Cleveland fans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know what y'all did. And this is coming from a Knicks fan. I know all too well about pissing off the sports guys. I must have done something in a in a previous lifetime. Okay? But not like that. I don't know what you tell yourself. If you have a child and you are raising them to be a Browns fan, what do you tell them? You know, you can't sell them on hope because you're just telling your child that you know what? You're in this for the long haul. Your heart will be broken. Time is, think about it. The Browns, Art model, God bless the dead, left Cleveland. Browns fans pissed off. They see the Ravens win not one but two Super Bowls. You get your team back. You know what I mean? And you pass on Ben Roethlisberger, he goes to Pittsburgh. How many Super Bowls do the Steelers have? Two. You know what I mean? And now you may have passed on three of the best future, you know, young quarterbacks in this league in two years. So that's one city where the sports guys are just like urinating on. That's Cleveland. Y'all better, y'all better, man, be thankful for LeBron, Joe, because y'all not winning anything else but I'm not just going to make fun of Cleveland in the first quarter. Nah, Houston, Texan fans. I'm sorry for y'all too, because out of sheer stupidity for the NFL scouts and talent evaluators, I mean, I I know I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to evaluating college football talent, but it was clear. It was clear Deshaun Watson was going to be a good pro. And you heard all this crazy stuff about intangibles and arm talent. Slim, every year, every year, every college football analyst says Alabama runs an NFL-style defense. And they have NFL players drafted, multiple players drafted, in the first two rounds every single year from that defense. The Watson in two straight college football championships carved that defense up. So, you can't tell me that he doesn't know how to read a defense or that he wasn't going to at least be a capable quarterback. There were so many BS excuses or uh, quotes about the Sean, anonymous quotes about Deshaun Watson and why he wouldn't succeed. Here we are through seven weeks. This dude is lighting the league on fire. But I, I, I bring this up for Houston's football fans because. For what, the better part of a decade, this Texan team have been Super Bowl ready. All they needed, all they needed was a quarterback. I mean, think about the weapons, not just on defense. Think about the offensive weapons that Houston has had at their disposal, just waiting for someone, someone to be able to throw a pass, okay? We're talking about Andre Johnson, future Hall of Famer. He, Matt Schaub is the best quarterback he's ever played with. They had Arian Foster in his prime. DeAndre, think of all the talent, offensive talent that the Texans have had. Not to mention, not to mention that amazing defense. I think last year they were the number one defensive team in the league. And this year, you know, you think you see the, you think you finally got there, right? The light at the end of the tunnel. You are finally gifted. Somebody who, to me, seems like a can't-miss quarterback prospect, and he has lived up to the hype, but what happens? The moment y'all get him, the moment that y'all get him, J.J. White, in a freak accident, is done for the year. Think about some of the losses that Houston has this year. They gave up, what, 41 points to Seattle? New England scored close to 40 points early in the year. The Texans never gave up that much points, many that many points. And the one, as soon as they get a quarterback, as soon as they get somebody that you're like, yo, we're going to be all right now. We can score points now. We can score points in Seattle against the Seahawks. What happens, right? The defense is done. Isn't that how it always works? Isn't that how it always works? Why? Because the sports guys are some evil sons of bitches. Boy, I tell you. I feel for for Browns fans and I feel for Texans fans. I feel more for Browns fans because I know Houston, you know, barring injury and please don't let nothing happen to this boy. If Deshaun Watson is there and they don't don't try to mess with him, they don't mess him up, he's going to be legit for a while, you know? He's going to be legit for a while. Cleveland, I got no idea. (laughs) Actually, yes, I do. I know all too well what's going to happen with the Browns. Y'all bammers ain't winning anything. It's over. Celebrate LeBron and Kyrie. Put a statue up for both of them. I know Kyrie's still playing in Boston. Whatever. Celebrate both of them. Y'all not winning anything else. All right, y'all. That was the first quarter. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. We're also now on SoundCloud for all you SoundCloud listeners. Just search for the Quarterly Report there. And, of course, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. All you have to do is go on over to iTunes in their podcast directory, search for the quarterly report. Again, that's quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. You'll see the show's icon. Click on that and subscribe. And while you're at it, please rate and review the show. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know what you like, you disagree with, the whole nine. All right, guys, we're gonna keep things moving with our second quarter and our special guest this week, NBA TV's own Chris Miles. You can catch him each and every week hosting NBA Game Time and pregame and postgame shows on NBA TV. My man Chris Miles. See Miles, what's up, man? What's good with you, man? It's a crazy start to the NBA season for sure. No doubt, no doubt. And that leads us perfectly into the first question I have for you. Um, obviously, Cleveland hasn't started off the way they'd like. And they have some real big issues, especially defensively. So I guess my question to you is, to start things off, is it time, just two weeks into the season, is it already time to hit the panic button if you're a Cavalier fan?
1: I'd say yes, for one fundamental reason. It's not the fact that they're losing games, right? Like, oh, they're losing, but they're losing to teams that are essentially bottom feeders in the NBA or teams that are struggling themselves, right? That's number one. Number two, the guys that are giving them the business. Drew Holiday, struggling shooting the ball. I think he was shooting like 22% from the floor going into that game. He scored 29 points. And if you look at, for New Orleans, if you look at his interview after the game, he's like, yeah, um, you know, I, I just kept cutting to the basket, and AD and Boogie kept finding me. It's been a struggle for me to find my shot this season, but I got in the rhythm tonight. And then you look at Tim Hardaway Jr. Right, 39 points on the season entering that game against Cleveland. There's one time he misses a three, gets the rebound, and gets a two for one special. 34 points in that game, and he's like, "Oh, I found my rhythm," and eight assists as well. It just seems like their issues offensively, like just allowing people to find a rhythm. So that's what bad teams
0: do. I'm joined by NBA TV Zone Chris Miles, and we're discussing. You know, the Cleveland Cavaliers defensive issues. And, you know, one of the reasons why I like their Kyrie Irving trade was because it was going to bring in Jay Crowder, someone who I thought was going to be able to help Cleveland defensively. Obviously taking taking some of the load off of LeBron and uh you know allowing LeBron not to be so uh uh engaged defensively. You have Crowder there to lighten some of the load, but it hasn't worked thus far, and, you know, it's, it's concerning considering, you know, Isaiah Thomas isn't playing, but when he comes back, it's not like he's Gary Payton, so he's not going to fix the defensive issues either. So they've really got some, some real
1: work to do on that side of the ball. I think the biggest problem with them is all, it all starts at the top, and we all love LeBron James. I think he's one of the greatest players to ever pick up a basketball, and, you know, we don't really need to have that argument or discussion. But in the last two to three years, and I asked a lot of people about this, particularly analysts who I don't know if they will go on air and say this, you know, but they all seem to kind of agree on one thing, and that's LeBron James does not play on-ball defense the way that he used to. So if your best player is kind of floating and playing center field or playing strong safety, however you want to say it, then what do do other guys start doing? Mm -hmm. They start doing the same. So I think – you're seeing that problem. Then you get these guys that are so long, too. It's Kyle Corver, Dwayne Wade, and now LeBron's playing that way as well. You get beat in transition defense and second chance points, and that's their biggest problem.
0: Once again, I'm joined by my guy, NBA TV's own Chris Miles. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Chris Miles TV. He's got some really insightful and funny stuff on his timeline. Obviously, he's an NBA head, so you're going to want to make sure you follow his stuff All right, so we're going to put a pin on the LeBron discussion because we're going to get back to him in a second. But we're going to move on to another Eastern Conference team. And, you know, full disclosure, you and a mutual friend of ours named Andre Jones, shout out to Dre, uh, were the first guys to put me on to Markel Fultz. This was back when he was in high school, junior in high school. And obviously he went on to become the number one overall pick. He's playing in Philadelphia now, but... You know the start of his career hasn't gone i'd assume the way he had envisioned he's got obviously we've all seen the issues with his free throw and his shooting overall the sixers have come out you know he, he went underwent a procedure to to drain liquid in his shoulders and he's resting now but obviously this isn't ideal for your number one overall pick so my question to you is how badly did philadelphia botch this entire markel Fultz situation or is there just something more that we don't know on the outside?
1: So, without getting myself in trouble in this situation at all, right? <laughs> right. Hey,
0: make sure those NBA TV checks keep on
1: cashing, bro. I would say the first thing's first, right? Sometimes when you have a guy that's supremely talented or that, that comes up like Markel Fultz did in a sense, you trust the people that got you where you are, Right. right. And, Look, he played on a crap team at Washington and was the number one overall pick in the draft. So there are people that helped him develop into the player that he is and he trusts them. Well, when you get drafted by an NBA team, there's a whole group of new people that want you to do things their way. And in some cases, there's a push-pull. And I think what you're seeing from the communication standpoint of the timeline of when he was injured to where he is now there's a miscommunication between obviously his people and the people within the 76ers organization. They need to converge and they need to figure this out. And I think that's when things will come together for Markell Fultz. Look, for a guy to play with a bum shoulder, right? right. And a, he he and, and a kid that's a shooter to not shoot a jump shot and still average a higher field goal percentage than Lonzo Ball in his first couple of games. I think he. <laughs> He's still shown that he can do some things, finish around the rim, even though he can barely lift his right shoulder. So I think having him out three weeks indefinitely, then they're going to look at it again, get him healthy, get him right, get him back on the court as he's supposed to be, Not don't have him you know, be an internet meme of bad free throw shooting and bad jump shooting when that's not the kid's game.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, even more, there's just so much good momentum. You can kind of see – what philadelphia is becoming right before our eyes so there's so much good momentum you know so much positivity coming from philadelphia you know why risk it why you know why even rush him back or make him play when he's not feeling 100 percent? they've got a good thing going on let's not you know mess it up mess this kid's confidence up you know trying to you know prove a point or rush him back just two weeks into the a brand new season
1: yeah and I don't know if their mindset is, like, let's make the playoffs this year. They're 2-4 and four right now. And right. Ben Simmons is playing better than I think even he could imagine his first, you know, couple of games. So it's just a situation. Could they use Mark Fultz? Would they have won a couple of games if you have a guy that, say, could average 15 to 20 points and be efficient doing it? Possibly. But right. at the same token, now that you see him being healthy, Ben Simmons healthy, add a Mark Fultz to that going forward then you really have a good squad. So make sure they're all healthy at the same time on the court.
0: Once again, I'm joined by my guy, friend of the program, Chris Miles. You can catch him each week on NBA TV. He's the host of NBA Game Time and hosts their pre- and post-game shows. You can follow him on Twitter. Make sure you guys do at Chris Miles TV. He's a huge NBA fan, so you already know what time it is. All right, so we talked about LeBron a little bit earlier, but we're going to circle back. In a different light, uh, this is, I believe, his 15th season, and for the vast majority of his career, I don't even think it's debatable. He's been either the best player or the second best player. But you know, Father Time is undefeated. You're starting to see some of the slippage, especially on defense. And now there's this new guy in Milwaukee who's just stunning on everybody. Uh, you were the first person who talked to me about Giannis, and this was before he was drafted. You were telling me you knew guys who were at his workouts and they were like, this guy's either going to make someone a lot of money or he's going to cost someone his job. (laughs) Obviously, he was the former because, you know, right now, it seems as if Giannis may be the best player in basketball. So my question to you is, because we don't ever see this or we don't see it often in real time. You know, Michael Jordan retired. No one took the crown from MJ. So my question is, Are we watching right now, in real time, Giannis going up to LeBron and saying, nah, this is my league now? Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now.
1: (laughs) It sure feels like that. But in a sense, when they went head-to-head, Cleveland won that game. Right. Right? So there has to be the moment it happens, whether that's in the playoffs. I, I think that's what needs to happen. In order for us to say that legitimately, Giannis has to have this season Cleveland needs to almost struggle, you know, whatever. We're, in the playoffs, really, is where it needs to happen. Cleveland and Milwaukee needs to meet, and Giannis needs to say, Look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Until then, we can all speculate. But if you said today, who would you rather have starting a whole squad? There's no – I don't even think there's a question anymore because of LeBron's age and because of Giannis's age, and that's an indication of the torch being passed. I think everyone would take Giannis. And really, who would you take before him in the league? Because if you look at that team in Milwaukee, yeah, they've got a lot of players that can do some things. But if you take Giannis off that team, you don't really look at them as being anything. (laughs) Right. Anything at all, especially not a a top-five team in the East.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people are hoping that Cleveland and Milwaukee meet somewhere down the line in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, it'd be something special to see those guys go head-to-head. You know, we have a tendency, myself included, uh, because I just did it, to anoint players before they've actually achieved anything. Um, So, yeah, if Giannis would be the guy to, you know, end LeBron's streak of finals appearances, that would be something. All right, guys, I'm once again joined by my guy, friend of the program, Chris Miles. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at TV. catch him each week on nba tv he's the host of game time and their pre and post game shows all right chris you know we like to have fun man we talk about sports uh movies music all the all the things that we do here on the quarterly report but you know it's some some real life tough situations going on in everyday uh life for all of us um you and i and listeners included um one of the segments that I'm most proud of, one of the things I've done as a professional, uh, was a segment that you and I used to do called 100 miles per hour. And uh, there was one particular segment that we did about, you know, profiling in Milwaukee Bucks Center, John Henson. Now, this happened like two years, over two years ago. And you put it up and, you know, it was regular. But this summer, you text me and you were telling me about some I, I guess a, a real troubling trend about some of the responses and how much, uh, how much you know, play this video was receiving. Can you uh, let the people know a little bit about the segment and the troubling, I guess, responses that
1: we've seen from this video? Oh man! So the story we did: John Henson was racially profiled in Milwaukee, less than a mile from where a billboard of him um, is in town. And he essentially signed his four-year extension for $44 million and went to buy a Rolex. He's like, oh, I'm going to splurge for the very first time, get this expensive watch. And we did a story because he tries to enter the store. The cashier calls the cops. And the cops come like, hey, we know who you are. You're a 6'11 Milwaukee Bucks player. And he's like, yeah, why are you here? Oh, the woman is hiding behind the counter. You did a great job as a producer finding the uh, 911 call and it was disturbing because she's like, Yeah, they're they're out there, these black guys and the cops come, the cops are like explaining to her, like, hey, this is he's gonna buy a watch and she's like, Well, you have to stay in the store while he does these. Like, I'm not gonna stand here and stay in the store. So John Hinston leaves, doesn't become a big thing until this circulates. He does an interview and even in the interview, John Hinston, as you know, is a well spoken, kinda chill guy. Right, And goes into the hey, you know, I just hope this doesn't happen to someone else. Um, this just was a ma- a bad situation. Not, not not really jumping off any cliffs. Right. Well, as you <laughs> mentioned, the comment section. Um, now, like you said, we we posted this video two years ago, and it got about six hundred views. Right. So it wasn't a big deal. Well, since President forty five's in office, and the incident in Charlottesville Charlottesville has happened. It's now up to fifty seven thousand views since wow. July. Wow! And it's clear that the racial unsettling in this country is the catalyst behind that, and right. the, the Colin Kaepernick situation clearly is another thing that has boosted interest in this video, but. Again, some of the things that people are saying, I don't know which ones to quote because there are over 200 comments like this. It's not like it's just one comment, right? right? Or it's not like it's just two. Um, you know, the simple ones, he should sit down during the national anthem. Okay, that's one where strong words, I don't agree with that. Right. I might understand how someone would say that. But then – you get into situations where it's overt racism that I've never seen written anywhere. Yeah. Outside of books describing incidents in the 1800s or the 1950s, yeah. and that that includes when you're terrorized on a regular basis by vandals, shoplifters, and armed robbers. You get jittery and don't want to take chances with your life and property. Any off chance the guy in the hoodie is a millionaire? John Henson was not wearing a hoodie. That's coded language for Trayvon Martin as well, which is another issue. Uh, the guy goes on to say they didn't know that, um, yeah, I wouldn't be in the store either. Like, that's racial profiling without using um, terrible language. Yeah. And and then you get into the, when six out of ten young black men that they encounter are criminals, it's not shocking that they profile. Yeah, it's pretty overt at that point. Yeah, you know, that's that's unfortunate. I mean,
0: anytime you have people rationalizing, right, why an innocent person why it was okay for an innocent person to be treated like a criminal, you know, it's that's a problem. You know, obviously. I, I don't think we're saying anything that's revolutionary here. Um but, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I'll leave that up to you, the listener, to decide. Um, I'm not going to say that this train of thought is more prevalent now, but the people who think this way, they're far more comfortable expressing themselves, you know, and that's something that should, should frighten everyone, you know, not just black people, but everybody, you know, and uh, it's, it's just crazy that after two years like that, just kind of started picking up and, you know, again, John Henson did not commit any crime. You know what I mean? It's just the whole situation, you know, the, 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 the entire, not just specific to what's what happened with john henson but
1: just where we are as a society it's just kind of crazy right now well when i see a comment like this get liked by 26 people and not a single dislike and have replies agreeing with them people racially profile because the majority of african-american men act like criminals that's a fact then that's a problem right because you're you're dealing with someone who clearly doesn't interact with a lot of African-American men because that's that's just incorrect. That's true. Um, true. And you have clearly a lot of people that agree with him and not a lot of people that are disagreeing with him on this threat. So if you took the time to watch a video that me, as an African-American male, that I'm hosting, <laughs> right. if you took the time to watch it, And the headline on the video is not anything that's racially charged. I made sure of that. And that's probably why it took a long time to get views. It says when 44 million is not enough to buy a Rolex. So it's almost like I'm trying to amuse people with this, like, Hey, how did this happen? What's the catch here? And the fact that overt racism is accepted in the comment section, it blows my mind.
0: Yeah, man. The whole thing is wild. And you know what they say, there's no place on earth that's more ugly than the comment section, not just because what is typed, but because that's a, a, a real reflection of how a lot of people feel, you know, they get to hide behind an avatar and they get to express themselves completely. So, you know, we could talk about this topic or any other topic for, for hours, you know, but I want to thank you again. That's my guy, Chris miles, you can follow him on Twitter. He's at Chris Miles TV. You can catch him on NBA TV each week. He's the host of their game time and pre and post game shows. This is my guy for real. Chris, thank you so much for joining me again this week on the quarterly report.
1: Always man. Appreciate the time. Thank you,
0: man. That is a tough way to end the interview, <laughs> but you know, it's real. People need to know what time it is, you know, and again, social media isn't always the best way to, uh, to take the temperature of any subject like it's not the best barometer but it it does reveal a lot it does reveal a lot It's no need to be naive but you know we have fun with chris miles we want to thank him again we're going to lighten the mood as we head to halftime but before we get to halftime got a few things we want to get out of the way first obviously make sure you follow the show on twitter we're at quarterly q-u-a-r-t-e-r-l-e-e show you can follow the show there um going to be live tweeting from that account this weekend as we have a big time heavyweight fight. I'll get to that later on in the show. So you're going to want to make sure you follow the show there. You also want to make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes. Okay. All you have to do is go to the iTunes uh, podcast directory, search the quarterly report. Again, that's quarterly spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. You'll see the icon. Click on that subscribe and please while you're at it rate and review the show let me let the world let your friends your foes your girlfriend whomever let everybody know what you think of the show what you like and what you don't like and speaking of what people like and what they don't like uh it's going to be the second installment now before we get to halftime of stoppage time again a few months back i told you from time to time you know you guys do reach out to me via email again the email is quarterly report at gmail.com quarterly report at gmail.com you can let me know your thoughts of the show any topic that you like some topics that you have a strong opinion on or what have you this week i'm going to pick out three uh two emails and one comment um that i've gotten this past week um the first is from janine um janay janine i want to say from buffalo i'm sorry If I for getting your name wrong, Um, but she's from Buffalo and she emails me. I love the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you for listening. Uh, But she says, what do you think about Tyrod Taylor and my bills? Do we really have a shot to finally get back to the playoffs? All right. So, again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, I don't know if I've told you guys this. I may have earlier in the show. I used to be a Bills fan. And I know some of y'all hear that. you like, roll your eyes. Oh, man, you stopped liking the team. Yeah, I stopped liking the team. What you gonna say? You feel me? I used to love the Bills. But, you know, I don't know if people know this. The last time they went to the playoffs, the last time was the Music City Miracle. That was on New Year's Day, the year 2000. And after a while, it wasn't like I stopped liking them for another team or I stopped liking them just because it was like there was a large a feeling of empathy. I just stopped caring. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they were two and 14, like this six and 10 and seven and nine over and over again. It does wear on you. But anyway, um, back to your question. Yeah, man. I I was surprised that not too many people went after Tyrod Taylor this off season. Um, (laughs) I I like Tyrod. I've been a fan of Tyrod. People forget like the only, he only started as a starter when he went to Buffalo and that's under Rex Ryan. And we know how quarterbacks fare with Rex Ryan as their head coach. So I think people overlooked Tyrod. I mean, he plays in Buffalo. Uh, Sammy Watkins was never healthy. And now you're starting to see, man, like the guy is really good. The team rallies around him. He's a great leader. And I don't think that they made the playoffs because they haven't made it since the year 2000. Um, and I'm going to have to see it It's more of a show and prove, but, um, they've got good wins. They've won at Atlanta. They won this past weekend versus the Raiders. And, uh, you know, if they're on this path, I mean, the AFC is wild. So I'm not going to say they're not going to win, but I'm more on a, uh, you got to prove it to me. So, uh, I hope that answers your question. I like what getting Kelvin Benjamin and, uh, Tyrod, man, uh, he's the truth. I got him on a great deal. All right, so question number two, this comes from Miles from Mobile. Shout out to Rich Boy. (laughs) And Miles, and a lot of y'all, a lot of y'all, I got a few emails this past week on my top 20 Southern hip-hop list. Miles says, yo, Armand, I like your list. However, how do you have chicken and beer on your top 20 list? (laughs) Hey, so, you know, chicken and beer was tough. I don't, you know, it's cool, right? Right? this is the reason why I make the list lists are fun lists are a good topic to always debate about if you don't like chicken and beer I think even though that was 19 I think that's probably probably the weakest entry on my list but if you gonna take it off you're gonna have to give me something to put on instead you know what I'm saying so miles I appreciate you listening to the show I appreciate you emailing me letting me know your thoughts on the top 20 list chicken and beer though I felt like Luda he he has done enough to be mentioned. You know he deserves mention, right? And it's not like a, a participation trophy award. I actually like Chicken and Beer. Like I felt like Luda was spitting his best on that album, and he's funny, and that and that album doesn't sound like anything else. You know what I mean? Like that's just a different sounding joint, and I appreciated it for, or I appreciated Luda for that. So that's why it made my top twenty. But yes. I will grant you that that's probably the weakest album on my top 20, but you can't just take it off. You got to give me something to put back on. All right, and finally, this is from Ant from DC by way of my cousin. He's a loyal listener, so shout out to Ant in DC. Uh, he asked me, well, he says a few things. He says, number one, about my top 20 list, that I was crazy for having the clips on there. And he says that he doesn't rock with OutKast. So, that's that's like really a fireable offense, both of them. I don't know anybody who doesn't rock with the clips. Lord Willin, Slim, come on, bro. You know, you, you you got you got to reassess your you gonna have to reassess your whole lifestyle if you're not rocking with Lord Willin. And you know, I'm not gonna to spend too much too much air on any outcast slander. You may be the only person on the entire planet who doesn't like outcasts. Like I, if you don't rock with Southern Playalistic or Aquimini. Go to the doctor ASAP. You know, something's wrong. But he comes at me, he says, um, you know, what do I think about the Cavaliers' recent struggles and the Warriors' recent struggles? Do I feel like uh, they're trying to um, throw games early in the year uh, to make things interesting and make it a surprise finals? You know, um, I'm not really a big conspiracy theorist. I know people who are. Um, I know people especially who work, you know, in covering sports who are big time conspiracy theorists. I've never really won like that. Um, I don't think with Cleveland, I think that, you know, they have to get used to one another. And again, like Chris Miles said, defensively, they have real issues. So, you know, in the NBA, there's always going to be like crazy wins and losses. You know what I mean? Um, Really good teams are going to lose to bad teams. It happens every year in the NBA. So I think ultimately Cleveland and Golden State figure it out. Golden State is a little bit more curious because they're the same team from last year. Uh, they're the same team that steamrolled everybody in the playoffs. So I don't know why they're struggling. Cleveland is—it's easier to understand why Cleveland is struggling. Obviously, they traded Kyrie and the guy they got back for Kyrie, Isaiah Thomas. It's hurt, and their defense isn't good. But with Golden State, I don't know what's going on there. But, no, to answer your question, I don't think that um, they're throwing games to make a, a finals more exciting. All right, uh, once again, thank you, for everybody, for emailing me, tweeting me. Keep on, keep on tweeting, keep on emailing, and I'll have this uh, segment more often. But thanks to everybody for listening and to emailing and writing in. All right, so now it's time for halftime. And we do this regularly on the show where the person I love most in this world, my beautiful daughter, reads her favorite quotes from one of my favorite announcers of all time. That's Bill Walton. Again, we go, she and I, we sit and we look, you know, on like this website that basically just documents some of the craziest things that Bill Walton has ever said. She reads it to me, and she picks out her three favorites. So we've done this twice already, and we're going to do it. This is the third installment of two of the best things this world has ever given me, my daughter and Bill Walton, my daughter reading Bill Walton quotes. Take a listen. It's time now for
2: Bill Walton's Words of Wisdom. Katino Morbury has just made the two worst shot attempts a, a tense in the history of his proud Houston Rocket franchise. One time, one time. Dale Davis, pick one pivot. But please, go down, big man. One time, one time. If they ever get this cloney thing right, we can only hope they duplicate the good guys. The last thing we need are more from and Michael Ola candies or more people with the attitude of Gray Payton or the confusion of George Call. Please, we're dying, we okay.
0: <laughs> That was another episode of...
2: Bill Walton's Words of wisdom. <sighs>
0: Hey, that's my little Snookums, my princess. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to that. I know I thoroughly enjoyed listening and doing that with her. And hopefully you guys are enjoying the show thus far. But, you know, halftime is over. We're refocused, we're readjusted, re-energized. We got two quarters already in the bag, but we got two quarters left. And we're going to start the second half off strong with college football and how they have gotten something so right where the NFL has seemingly lost its way. It's our third topic this week. Third quarter. Too much of a good thing. The first time you hear that, you know, that sounds crazy. You know what I mean? But once you apply it, it makes all the sense in the world. Okay? You have a favorite song, and you want to listen to it over and over again. After a week or so, you're tired of it. It's not your favorite song pizza may be your favorite food you eat pizza every day for x amount of days and you go to the doctor and you know he's gonna have some hard truths for you you know what i mean too much of a good thing while sounding funny is so real and i think it's at the crux of the issue with what's going on in the nfl you know so much now is about the popularity of the nfl and the war on football and NFL ratings and all this other stuff. I think football has a lot that is on their plate. They're handling a lot of things and they're handling a lot of them really poorly. But I think one of the biggest issues that no one talks about when it comes to the NFL is oversaturation. Think about it. Just a few years ago, everyone's talking about how football's raining in money hand over fish and they still are, you know, By no stretch of the imagination is the NFL in like a a dire situation in terms of their popularity and and making money. But they wanted to expand. We're not that far removed from football, seriously considering having an 18-game schedule. Think about that. How far we have come from that just a handful, less than a handful of years ago. Football was really talking about 18 games. But think about the NFL, their games on Thursday now, every Thursday, the games on Sunday, the games on Monday. And then when college football is over, the games on Saturday, the NFL product is everywhere. Too much of a good thing. And one of the reasons why I feel that the NFL is in the situation that it's in, where they're really soul searching about where the, their game is going to be 10 years from now is because of college football college football took the idea of too much of a good thing and they listened right football the NFL is the one sport where there's not too many games you know and like baseball baseball has the right with their playoffs the majority of the teams who play don't make the playoffs that's a good thing just like with baseball basketball the most if you play the, the majority of teams in the NBA make the playoffs and the NBA season is way too long. We all know this. And this is coming from someone who loves the NBA. But with, with the NFL, the season is 16 weeks. It's perfect. It's here. You enjoy it, then it's gone. And you have to win your division or be one of two teams who win the wild or three teams who win the wild card to make the playoffs. I mean, the, that, that screams of importance. It makes, it magnifies the importance of your season. And it leaves your fans wanting more, right? Rule number one in any type of show business, right? Leave your fans wanting more. But for whatever reason, and actually I shouldn't say for whatever reason, greed, because the product, the demand for the NFL product was so high. The owners and Roger Goodell were like, okay, well, you know what? We're just going to keep on. We're going to keep feeding it. We're going to keep on cashing out. And I think we're not there yet, but you can start to see, the uh, the beginnings of chickens coming home to roost, but it also coincides with college football. College football has never been more popular, and look at how they've gotten it right. You know, we are we are just days removed from the the first college football playoff rankings, and I think the playoff rankings in college football, the whole playoff idea is perfect. And there are a lot of people who want expansion. Already we're like, we're like three or four years into this, the college football playoffs and people are already talking about expansion. And that's, for whatever reason, that's human nature. We always want more. We, we can't just enjoy a good thing. College football has it perfect. Think about this season thus far. We came into the season, right, and it was the year of the quarterback, right? Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, the boy from Wyoming, Baker Mayfield, uh, Lamar Jackson, all these, all these top-notch quarterbacks. And here we are now in November. And with the exception of Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma, it's pretty much a, a done deal for all those other quarterbacks. I mean, there's word now that Darnold may not even come out. He may stay one more year in USC. And clearly he needs it because the turnovers are are, are a problem, you know. But the storylines with college football, they change from week to week. Remember at the beginning of the year, Ohio State, everybody threw dirt on their names. JT Barrett wasn't playing well. People were calling for him to leave. Baker Mayfield's planting the flag in the middle of the horseshoe. And here we are last weekend. People were talking about JT Barrett. In his Heisman moment, in just a matter of weeks, with his big win over Penn State. Sherrod Barkley, everybody was all over Barkley, you know, and he's, he looks to be impressive, the real deal. But they have a, a big time collapse versus Ohio State. He's had a few subpar games in a row, and now people are starting to question him. Clemson, you know, reigning national champions, they're dominating everybody in the ACC. And they go up to Syracuse, Syracuse of all places, and lose. And sticking in the ACC, the turnover chain and the Hurricanes, come on. Like, come on. That is the dopest idea ever, the turnover chain. How hell is that? I mean, college football, it's like baseball and the Yankees, football with the Steelers and the Cowboys, the NBA with the Lakers. College football is just so much better when Miami is – good and relevant and they are now you know and of course you got your alabamas you know we talked about this a few episodes ago talking about parody and the idea that everyone loves parody when in reality we don't alabama every year they may not win it but they're always in it and that's good just like with miami when alabama is good and relevant it makes the game better so all these storylines, all these things that are going on, Miami's coming back, Wisconsin undefeated, how good are they? Jim Harbaugh in Michigan talking all this noise and hasn't doesn't have a quarterback, you know? The whole thing, it plays perfectly. And now we got the first playoff rankings. And you realize that college football has picked up on this idea where where the professional football, where the NFL, where they dropped the ball on less is more. College football has taken that and run with it. You got X amount of weeks. You know, the college football season is not very long. You know, and at a time where college football was struggling, where everybody was getting the bowl game and it was the BCS and all this other mess. They were like, you know what, forget about it. Everyone has a bowl game, but you know what? There are, these, there are these bowl games that matter more than everyone else, and they're only a four-team playoff. I don't think that they, they should expand. No, four teams. Because if you expand it to six, there's going to be a seven-team that's going to be upset. If you expand it to eight, there's going to be a nine-team that's going to be a, There's no way you can satisfy everyone, okay? Keep it at four. It's perfect like this. This is perfect. The ebb and flows of a college football season are, are rapid. You know what I mean? I just kind of went over a few of them. You know, Baker Mayfield was looking like the king. And now Oklahoma, you're you starting to look like are they are they for real? TCU, remember Kenny, Kenny Trill, Kenny Hill. Just a few weeks ago, everybody was raving about how Kenny Hill is back and leading TCU. And now, just like that, they're gone. You know? People were burying JT Barrett just a month ago. And now they're talking about him being a Heisman hopeful. I mean, that that's, that's what we love about sports. The unpredictability of it, right? The highs, the lows, the peaks, the valleys. You can't call it week to week. You just don't know. Notre Dame. People were ready to fire Brian Kelly. Fire him after they lost to Georgia. And in the playoffs... Georgia's the number one team in the nation with the eight, with the playoff bowls. And here we are, Notre Dame, with the, as good a chance as anyone to make it to the playoffs. You know, the professional football, the NFL can learn a lot from college football. Learn a lot. You know why everyone wants to blame Anthems and uh, domestic violence and CTE and Roger Goodell and quarterback play and all of that stuff matters all of that stuff factors in but the product the product doesn't stand nearly as tall as the college football product does and that's a self-inflicted wound by the nfl so the next time you hear someone talk about all the reasons why football is declining in ratings and the war on football remind them like no nah, there's not a war on football because college football, they've got it right. And right now, that's the number one sport that I enjoy watching. Besides basketball and boxing. Like college football, out of all of, a, all, all of the sports with a the playoff, they're the one who do it, does it better than anyone. And this year, this year is Exhibit A. Let's just hope that they don't also fall victim to greed and mess up the Golden Goose. It mess up a wonderful thing because this fourteen playoff is the best thing that has happened to college football in some time. All right, y'all. Once again, I am Armand Lee. Thank you so much for listening to the Quarterly Report. That was quarter number three. Make sure you follow the show. We're on Twitter. We're at Quarterly Show. It's Q U A R T E R L E E Show. We're also on SoundCloud for all you SoundCloud listeners. You can listen to the podcast. All you got to do is search the quarterly report, and the podcasts are there. We're out each and every Thursday. Each and every Thursday, a brand new episode. Okay, guys, with three quarters down, one quarter left, you know I got to talk my boxing. It's been a while, man, but the heavyweight division in boxing is having a resurgence. And this weekend, it's another big-time fight, and we're going to talk about that with our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. It's been a long rough road for the heavyweight division of boxing it used to be the glamour division you know what i mean um before my time you know and like i said i'm in my mid-30s but if you're older than me you remember the golden age of heavyweight boxing you know the ali's the frazers the foremans the Holmes, uh the listings all of them you know the the great names that kind of built off of the Joe Lewis's, the Sch- Mellings, you know, it was a a building of that great division. And then, you know, in my time, it was Tyson. And, you know, Tyson kind of just came in like a, man, like a tornado and just blew everything down. But then, you know, he caught his, he had his little issues. And then it was, but it was still Holyfield there. And, you know, more even. And then Lennox Lewis came out and. No disrespect to Lennox Lewis because he's a great fighter. But Lennox Lewis was a a big fighter, but he was a boxer puncher. You know what I mean? He was a guy who, who knew how to box and was a tactician. And he wasn't throwing haymakers. And although he got knockouts, he got knockouts based off the jab. I mean, he would jab you to death. And he was so tall. He was such a big fighter that it was just tough. And then, you know, you got the Klitschko boys and it, was, it literally was like a baton. You know, Lennox gave it to the Klitschkos and they've had it, you know, for a generation. And again, these are huge guys, man, six, seven powerful men, but they box, they're boxer punchers. And unfortunately, you know, that's not the most exciting brand of boxing, especially when you're talking about these huge human beings fighting. No one, not, I shouldn't say no one, but many people, they want to see the slug fests. And it also hurts that the Klitschkos, you know, they weren't, you know, English isn't their first language. So it's a it's, it's a tough it's tough to sell that in America, especially. But after Lennox Lewis, after the Klitschkos, you know, the American boxing, heavyweight boxing, especially in America, man, it, it was it's been rough. You know, everyone's been looking for the next great. American heavyweight, and now it looks like we got it. I shouldn't say now. He's been champion for a few years now, since 2015. And Deontay Wilder is the man I'm talking about. Deontay Wilder, he's fighting this weekend. He's fighting up against Bermain Steveen for the second time. Shout out to Staverne, excuse me. Shout out to all my Haitians out there, Sac Passe. And, you know, it's not so much about this fight, because I think we all know how this fight goes. Is going to go down you know but it's about what this fight leads to you know this year the fight of the year you know it's not even no- it's not even december we just started november but we all know it's anthony joshua beating vladimir klitschko that was that was the fight of the year joshua probably wins fighter of the year and it propelled him to superstar status man he sold out wembley stadium ninety five thousand. you know and then his follow-up fight over 70,000. This guy he's he's a hu- he's a super draw in the UK. And unlike the Klitschkos, he obviously English is his first language. And unlike the Klitschkos and Lennox Lewis, he's a knockout puncher. You know, the guy looks like a defensive tackle. You know what I mean? And he throws punches to to he throws punches to put you down. Also, similarly Deontay Wilder does as well. Deontay, six 6'7", and he's got a right hand that'll put anybody to sleep. You know, he's got an amazing story. And it's a collision course, and this is good for boxing. Last weekend, A.J. fought. He, he stopped uh, to come, but it was controversial, but it was going to happen regardless whether the referee stoppage was the right call at that moment. Takam was going down. It was just a matter of when. And now we get to see Deontay and see if he can match what Anthony Joshua did um, to another, you know, Stavarn. He's He's a good fighter. He's not anything special. He's a former champion, but everybody's a champion boxer. But I don't want to get too caught up with tonight, with this weekend's fight, because again, the big showdown, the big fight, especially for those of you all who aren't big boxing fans, it's when Wilder and Joshua eventually fight because it has to happen. These are two, again, and this is what the, the heavyweight division needs. It's what they've been waiting for. You've got two English-speaking fighters, fighters who are not boxer punchers, fighters who want to knock you out. I mean, Joshua's 6'5", 6'6", six 6'7". Six, 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 Both of these guys well over 220, 230, Anthony came in the ring at 250. Or I'm sorry, yeah, 250 last weekend. When I mean, you talking about football players, athletic guys, guys with charisma, Deontay Wilder has an amazing story. Anthony Joshua has an amazing story. And there seems to be bad blood between the two. This is a fight that the heavyweight division has been needing for so long. Since Tyson Lewis. And although Deontay Wilder is an American. Red, white, and blue American made the whole nine. Whenever they do fight, if they do fight in 2018, I hope Anthony Joshua kicks his ass. I'm not lying, Joe. I like Deontay Wilder. You know, I was ready, for, I was ready to ride for him like so many people were. But like, we're like six, seven years removed from when he first took the scene. And he's still the same fighter. He hasn't improved. And... After a while, it's like, okay, bro, you got to show and prove. Now, unfortunately for Wilder, he hasn't really fought the best available fighters, you know, and that's not necessarily his fault. He was supposed to fight Luis Ortiz this weekend, but Ortiz got caught doping, and Staverne was, you know, the mandatory. And, you know, that's tough for Wilder. Whereas Joshua, you know, he he put down Klitschko in a, an all-time great fight, and now he's been catapulted to superstar status. That hasn't worked out for Wilder, but if he takes care of business and if he puts down Wilder, maybe. But the heavyweight division now, man. I mean, every I, I just kind of gave you a quick recap. If you're not a big-time boxing fan of the heavyweight division, but you can't forget about Tyson Fury. He's another guy who is his own worst enemy. You know, but he's an English-speaking man. He's he's a flawed person. And I'm not going to get into some of the comments he's made. But um, he he's an amazing fighter. And he beat Klitschko before AJ did. And, you know, the division finally is taking off. And you're seeing charismatic fighters you're seeing knockout punchers you're seeing men who can sell the sport in america they just need to be put in the ring together it's it's the same old problem with boxing but i i'm super confident that in 2018 we see a the continuation of these super fights finally giving the fans what they want and it starts off with anthony joshua and deontay wilder I mean, that's exactly what the heavyweight division needs. And this weekend, hopefully, Deontay takes care of business, you know, and we can start to put the pieces together for a 2018 showdown. Again, guys, I will be live tweeting this fight this weekend, Saturday evening. You know, so make sure you follow the show on Twitter. We're at Quarterly, Q U A R T E R. L.E.E. show follow me there you'll see my thoughts i'll give you a round by round breakdown of the fight again i don't i don't foresee stavern being much of a problem for Wilder this time around he wasn't a problem for wilder the first time but we'll see man because you know maybe Wilder took him for granted Wilder, he's uh he talks a lot of noise he talks a lot of stuff but that right hand backs it up but we'll see Because that sooner or later, he's going to have to step in the ring with somebody for real. And if it's AJ and 18, I hope the Britishman kicks his ass. (laughs) All right, y'all, man, that's my time this week. Thank you so much for checking in with the show. Remember, we're on SoundCloud. All you have to do is search for the quarterly report. Find it. Listen to all the podcasts you want. Hopefully you enjoy. If you do, make sure you tell your friends and your family to check us out also email me get in contact with me let me know what you like what you don't like if you're a fan of anthony joshua if you're a fan of deontay wilder if you hate boxing whatever the case let me know your thoughts on the show or any show or any topic that you want me to address all you got to do is email me at quarterly at gmail.com that's quarterly spelled q-u-a-r-t-e-r l-e-e also make sure you subscribe to the show on itunes all you got to do is go to itunes check out the podcast directory, search the quarterly report. You'll see my icon. Click on that and subscribe. And while you're at it, rate and review the show. Let me let the world know what you like and your thoughts on the show. All right, guys, that's my time for this week. I'll see you back next Thursday on the quarterly report.